Hello everyone, welcome back to just another F1 podcast here on the Apex Motorsport. My name is Richard Smith and this is Season 3, Episode 11 and we've just had the British Grand Prix. What an exciting race that was. Obviously we had a very horrific incident in the first lap but we're glad to say that everyone is okay and we'll discuss that in a little bit. But first of all you can probably tell a slightly different setup for me. I'm very busy, I'm on the road and just back from Silverstone and stem my answer to big uh, followers podcast so big thank you to her for letting me stay here and record a podcast here but join me for this one as always is of course Ryan. Ryan welcome back to the podcast and you should know this by now you've probably forgotten again but can you give me a free word race review? Crashes, idiots, amazing. That just describes probably the first lap. Um, yeah it was I think it was one of the best British Grand Prix I've seen in a long time. Obviously, being there as a spectator, it it was a mixture of emotions. Uh, you didn't, we didn't know what was going on the first lap. You were messaging me throughout somehow, managed to get a mobile signal. I do not know how, um, but I wasn't aware that you know Joe obviously crashed the first corner until you told me basically. Um, so it was scary not knowing any of that information, but. But yeah, um, we'll start off with that, Ryan. Um, the Joe Guan Yu crash. Obviously, the, fir- the first turn, Silverstone is Abbey. It's one of the fastest corners in the circuit. And I've sat at Abbey for the past few years at the inner track part. This is the first year that I haven't sat there on a race day. And I must say, I'm, I'm quite glad I didn't because I feel like it would be quite scary. Um, you know, for that to happen, to, to see that in front of me, just, you were watching it on TV, so you actually seen the, the crash happen live, I, I seen the car go flying off on the, the screen that was a bit in the distance, but I didn't, I've just thought someone had ran wide, just, tell me through what sort of, you seen and, the sort of the incident from your point of view. Yeah, well, not to be a wizard or a witch or anything like that, but I said, I was watching this startless race with my dad, and I says, watch this, turn one, there's going to be a stupidly massive accident, just pure stupidity. And then it happened, and I was just there like, oh, sugar, oh, sugar, oh, sugar. And then I seen Joe skidding along in the, the top of the car, and I was like, oh, my. And I was like, oh, no. And then next thing, you just see the car veer off into the distance, and you're like, well, that was carnage, as well as obviously the massive pileup of cars just can't just smash, 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 smash. <laughs> there was probably about eight cars got just damaged in that whole. I don't know how would you would mess it up, but just a whole mashup. Crazy. From what I could see, I was sort of telling you everything as you were saying, and even what I was saying, we didn't know much either. Obviously, people that were trackside watching seeing this car coming towards them knew everything going on at the time which is quite scary whenever you see the now released footage someone had of being at the front pretty much the front seat of that grandstand watching the car come hurtling towards you upside down next thing it flips up and gets into the catch net luckily we have catch nets it didn't even touch the tire barrier because it caught grip in the gravel as it was skid turning it was horrific and i am surprised at how he got out, like like he was, he had to be obviously taken out by the medical team and to make sure you know no bones were broken or anything like that. Obviously, F one safety has has come a long way, and we're going to talk about something else in a wee second. 
on that. But what surprises me most is that the person who came off the worst was Alex Albon, who actually ended up going to hospital. Joe walked out of the paddock after being in the medical tent for a few hours. Alex Albon had to yeah. go to hospital, and he was just shunted into the back of, into the wall, into, like, side barrier on his right-hand side, so it's confusing. But Joe's crash, I, I, I thought he was a dead man going. The amount of gravel pinging off his head and stuff, just unbelievable. I, I, I Yeah. <laughs> let's move on I'm get scared <laughs> yeah it, it was such a, a scary incident and I think we, we, we keep getting flashbacks to you know, the Grosjean incident um, who again somehow walked out of that fire and and I, I, I do feel like now with, with every big crash you know, the Hubert incident from Formula 2 when he sadly died a few years ago I think still haunts everyone and everyone I think assumes the worst but I think what we seen was being trackside there was a, a lack of knowledge I if if you didn't tell me that Joe had crashed I wouldn't have known until the replays come onto the screens and you know obviously they can't they don't show replays or pass information if they don't know the well-being of the driver and I totally agree with that they shouldn't be you know, having to speculate and when they don't know for certain, but it does create that worrying feel of you thinking the worst and you know, for people around you know, around the track not knowing what's going on, not knowing if they can leave their seats or or what they've witnessed, it's it it is quite quite scary and quite frightening to to be there. And obviously as soon as we've seen replays, you know that the driver is, is conscious at the very least. He he's deemed okay obviously it may have a few injuries but it, it was scary it was frightening not knowing that information um obviously when a red flag's thrown during a race you always you know think the worst anyway but this you know this red flag was was thrown because joe obviously hit the barrier but then further around the track in the wellington street we had people enter the track protesters um from oil um about stop stop using oil um and Northam police they released a, a statement on the friday i think it was saying that they're aware of this potential um breach of sort of security to, to enter the track over the course of the weekend everyone just assumed it was going to be the race and it was and i think the red flag potentially has saved the life of these protesters because a Formula 1 car going down, especially in the first lap, two or three wide down the Wellington Strait would have just been a recipe for disaster. But Ryan, I think, again, I only seen the, the police car going around the track because I could just about see on the Wellington Strait, couldn't see that far down. Just that incident, were you aware of that on the TV or was it just completely ignored altogether? No, it was completely ignored. The, the whole focus was on the, the crash at the start. They were just showing replays of that. We then found out later through... Crafty and Martin Brundle about the protesters on on the, the track and it, it, it was believed that the marshals had radioed in that the protester had breached you know the perimeter and got onto the track and that was actually w why the red flag was thrown out so quick because they were already going to red flag the race due to the breach of security and then the big massive crash happened so in hand in hand, yes, one Joe was in probably one of the worst scenarios he possibly could have, 
But these idiots, I shall say idiots, forget protesters, idiots, going onto a track. Now, if anyone wants to take a look at what happens to someone, you know, when an F1 car is going that fast with that much fuel, they need to look back a lot, a couple of years back to the 80s and watch a video of what happens when a marshal gets clipped by an F1 wing. It's not pleasant. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not. And, you know, I think a lot of the drivers, they come out, they, you know, they supported their the reasoning behind the protest, the cause, but I think pretty much, the, I think it was safe to say 99% of the the F1 community or just the general population knows how dangerous this is and it is a bit of stupidity. They did go on Good Morning Britain the next day and say, well actually we're on one of the biggest shows talking about this. It obviously worked for them and that, that's up to them to decide if it worked or not, but I just don't think there's no place for people to enter a live Formula One track, put their lives to risk, but not only their lives, but the lives of the drivers. You know, that incident you're talking about, yeah. the driver also got killed. The fire extinguisher hit his helmet, and um, going to them speeds, it's, it's a risk for everyone. And then if you've got a car, a driver that gets gets injured, could be unconscious, going straight on the Wellington Strait, their foot could be planted in the accelerator and they go on and crash into the wall and then you know it's it's not gonna end well for anyone and you know the, the police had offered them to do a protest outside the circuit, peaceful protest, and there's better ways of getting your message across than going on to a live Formula One circuit. But then again we are talking about this, so for them they've got their message across, but their actions, I don't think, was well, it was definitely not the right option. There was better alternatives, and I would never like to see anyone enter Formula One track like that again because it's not going to end well. The red flag, I think, definitely, definitely saved lives there. Um, because I, I just I wouldn't have liked to have seen seen that far worse. Um, but we'll go back to the Zhou Guanyu incident. Uh, and talk about the Halo. We we discussed this so many times in one of the first podcasts we done was the Barian one. I think it was it was Craig who was doing it at that time. Um, we we talked about the incident. We talked about how good the Halo was. We talked about it multiple times. And you know, the, this race weekend Silverstone was quite scary because there was almost two drivers who lost their lives, but were saved by the Halo. Roy Nissan in the Formula Two race. Um, a car landed right on top of him uh, through his own own mistake. Um, you know, reckless driving from him. That's well, it was reckless driving from him. Um, yeah, and he obviously knocked the other car on the grass and then the sausage curb, and that's a debate for another time, these sausage curbs, but the car flipped up into the air, landed on top of him, and if it wasn't for the halo, we would have lost Roy Nassani, and then inevitably then... The, the roll hoop on Joe's car looked like it, it failed, it just disappeared completely. That obviously meant the car then flipped up, um, flipped upside down and flipped up into the into the barrier. But Ryan just we said it again we said it so many times, this the halo debate, it's long gone. There is no debate, it's it saved countless driver lives. But it's do you think it's a little bit worrying that Obviously, we went from 
the Ronald Ratzenberger to the Senna death to the um, Jules Bianchi death with no fatalities in between. But since the halo was introduced, there's at least four or five drivers' lives have been saved. Do you think that's a little bit worrying that we're now so reliant, or do you think it's just, it's really just proving its worth that these incidents may have happened regardless? No, I definitely believe that the halo is probably the best thing. Aesthetically pleasing, no, but life saving, it's pretty much been proven at this point there is no debate in it i was actually all for an aero screen whenever it was you know sort of pushed by red Bull at the time because obviously they wanted their design which is now used in indy but i now understand the difference between why it's not in formula one main reason gravel we have so many gravel runoffs where cars get beached to sort of either slow them down to stop them from hitting walls and stuff like that if we had everything as tarmac runoffs we'd lose the punishing driver element of having gravel on a track essentially but in terms of Joe's case if his car was upside down instead of the gravel going through the arrow you know through the halo it would you know it would pick itself it would pick up in the, the arrow screen so I now understand why that wasn't chosen and I'm glad that wasn't chosen because you know Joe could have been stuck with a pile of stones in his tiny already compressed you know shell so probably was the best decision but the halo so far apart from mercedes being idiots back in 2016 2017 who didn't want to see the sight of it anywhere or a halo or an error screen uh, they now understand themselves even with lewis hamilton last season that it's probably the best thing ever to be implemented into sport motorsport in general yeah and i'm obviously you said it's not aesthetically pleasing i'm actually the opposite of that i think it actually adds a lot to the cars and I actually think it looks quite nice. Um, it does. Now we're used to it. You yeah. See, when it was first sort of. Yes, I agree with that. Awful. But they've integrated it into the car yeah. nicely. And see when you see mm -hmm. a, like a 2015 car, you're like, eh, it doesn't look right, does it? Eh. Especially with, I think, the new generation of cars. It's been, they've been built, I think, around the Halo to make it look a lot nicer. And I even noticed because I cover the... Uh, GB3 and GB4 championships and GB3 have the Halo, GB4 don't and there's something with the Halo that makes the GB3 cars feel a lot more special I think. I, I don't know if it's because it's in Formula 1 but it, it makes it feel like a proper racing car where the, the GB4 cars feels more like a, you're going to Silverstone to have a, a few laps exp uh, driving experience they do. It, there, there's something with the Halo that makes a car feel complete now but we, we've talked a lot about the hill it's definitely a a great thing for the sport and thankfully it was there this weekend to save two drivers over the weekend at the very least um but yeah Ryan, let's move on one team that had a yes let, let's go on to Billy joy and um, from a british point of view to see lewis hamilton back fighting we i would say at the front he Probably could have won that race if it wasn't for the safety car with Alcon's car breaking down. He was impressive all weekend. I know he'd come onto the stage on Saturday night quite optimistic that they could get onto the podium. But Ryan, do you, do you think he could have went on to win that race? Oh, 100%. Strate not strategy. Mercedes' strategy for him was quite almost on point, to say the least. Uh, even George had a... Well... 
he was going to have a decent race, I felt, because his position was going to be okay, but then obviously he stopped. Fair play to him. And we'll not go back there. We're, we're striving up. Yeah. And I've sort of half forgotten where my train of thought was going. Uh, but all I know is... Hamilton. Uh, through goes pass. Hamilton! That's what everyone's talking yeah. about at the minute on and, and Twitter. Mm-hmm. And essentially, I do feel that had things gone differently before the safety car, he actually could have won it. You know? Yeah. Yeah, that that through goes Hamilton, I think, is, is going to go down as one of Crafty's most iconic lines, especially the British Grand Prix, because that, I think it was about 80, 90 seconds of racing between Hamilton, Perez and Leclerc. And, uh, yeah, that, I think, is some of the best racing I have ever seen. Because, I, I don't know if it was because I was there, it, the atmosphere at that time was incredible. When Hamilton got through past both of them cars the cheer that went up around Silverstone was just incredible um you know and I don't I think because the pressure is off him there was no one really expecting him to go on to win the race there was that sort of hope there was that feeling across the weekend that he might just do this but there was always that underlying expectation of reality going if he can get a podium, I'll be happy. And he obviously done that. And he, he had a great race. Um, yeah, Ryan, just do you think this was really a statement that Mercedes are back in the game? Yeah, they're definitely in for the fight. Now that the two cars are sort of on the same setup. Obviously, they moved Lewis's setup to more like George's. so Because obviously, George was doing a lot better. Hamilton was the experimental driver. Which was surprising because he's the main driver. He should be the one that should be... The safe driver, the secure one, let George experiment. He's the new rookie. But they swapped it, and they not even swapped it. They've equalised the two, and they're starting to claw back their way back into podiums and really high point-scoring positions. Uh, not even just for Mercedes, but as we've seen, this is the first time that this new era of regulations, we've actually seen wheel-to-wheel racing between five different teams for fourth position. It's the, 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 this is what these regulations were supposed to do and it's the first time I've ever seen it we had McLaren of Lando Norris we had an Alpine of Fernando Alonso we had obviously Charles Leclerc who ended up dropping back but was still fighting we had Max Verstappen who was in 7th but he was in his own race he, can, he was back back we had Perez battling as well who else am I missing here I think that's my 5 cars I'm not entirely sure but somewhere along there this is the first time we've had this many this most amazing racing, I'm just going to put it like that. And I'm glad it was at the British Grand Prix, because, you know, we're awesome. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's so much of this race that we won't even have time to talk about today. Like, Paris's amazing comeback. Oh, it, that was incredible. Um, I I forgot about Perez. Because um, you couldn't keep looking through. at his position like I could. Yeah. Yeah. Because I couldn't see the actual where everyone was. And then the safety car and the restart, it was... It went from Hamilton could win this to he's now battling with Perez to keep fair position. Um, so yeah, it was... He had an incredible race. Um, I think he got drive of the day as well, which... He did go yes. under the radar a bit, but that's maybe just from... From, you know, spectator's point of view of... You're seeing the cars go by with just the, the screen being in the distance. Um, and... Because you're at Silverstone, there is that 
Pampton bias um, of cheering everything. There was a few Verstappen fans sitting around me um, that were, were cheering. So you sort of knew who was cheering was who was doing better. Um, that, that's sort of the, the way. If, if you've ever been to a Grand Prix, you'll sort of know what I'm on about in terms of you need to soak up the atmosphere and that's what's dictating the race in front of you. Um, double points finish for Haas, Mick Schumacher finally getting those first Formula 1 points. Ryan, how glad are you to see him finally get his first points? Yeah, it's good to see Mick finally get his own points. It did fly under the radar, of course, everyone was so ecstatic over the battle that was going on, of course. Uh, someone got his uh, maiden win, which I don't think we have noted down. <laughs> no. <laughs> I forgot about yeah, that. There's, there's so much. His first career win after 150 starts, which he is the second mm -hmm. most, you know, races started driver, apart from Perez at 190 race starts without a win. He was 150, the second most highest. Yeah, yeah, you get the point. But he's now done it. He's now a race winner, and he's you know, at the British Grand Prix. And even though he's a Spanish driver, everyone was, even in the grandstands, I could hear it, we're cheering for yeah. signs because if you you follow Formula One yeah. as much as you you really do, you understand how much this means as much as we all did whenever Perez got his his, his first win with uh, Racing Point or mm -hmm. BWT Force India, whatever whatever it was at the time. Racing Point Sports Pez the Formula One team. <laughs> yeah, that team uh, that are now resting pepperonis. Um, yeah, whatever happened to Racing Point? They copied a great car, tried it again, failed. <sighs> sad times but no yeah has points big up and they actually uh, and even Kevin Magnussen helped secure points too which is great for mm -hmm. the team because he's been having a bit of a, yeah. a slump at the minute too but he, they'll, they'll work their way back up they are the white Ferrari after all <laughs> and always that battle with Verstappen right to the end of the race was just incredible you know what an image for Schumacher to have that He's crossed the line side by side with the reigning world champion, albeit he had a car that was carrying a front or and part of a AlphaTauri bodywork. Yeah, but it's you know the the picture will, will show <laughs> Schumacher side by side with the reigning world champion, which I think is the first F one point for a Schumacher since Brazil twenty twelve. So it's nice that Schumacher has finally scored points again. Um, mm -hmm. uh, so it was nice to see. But Ryan, final point before we make our predictions. The National Anthem, Ugh. Sam Ryder, Ugh. Eurovision runner-up. Are you going to say you hated it? Because I absolutely loved it. <sighs> as much as it pains me to say this, if it wasn't the national anthem, it would have been unreal. But mm -hmm. I would much rather, and this is good, this is depressing for me to say because I hate it when it's every other country. But I would much rather have had the royal guards play it in the you know the royal guards brass band. Okay. I would rather mm -hmm. have had them play it with someone singing over the anthem. I would rather have had that because in a way, if. Obviously, everything's changed now, and the monarchy's sort of fallen apart thanks to one person um, who we will not mention for very obvious reasons, who gets caught up in a lot of things, and and uh, granny granny or mummy bails him out, but we'll not get into that because we're not political or anything like that. Uh, but if you were going al along those lines, 
it, you would class that as a disgrace towards the national anthem, having it changed. But it was, to be fair, I did like it. I just didn't love it. I don't think it was a wee bit OTT okay. when he kept going, yeah. I was like, just shut up, just sing the anthem. <laughs> it's the fact he played the start of the half one thing, but after that, yeah. I'm not sure that was actually was that broadcast on TV. I am not sure. I am because not sure. there was just a glimpse of it. I just can't remember. Uh, but obviously after, yeah. Um, obviously, after the race, um, he come onto the main stage and signed Space Man, which was just oh, well, good. incredible. And um, he signed his new single as well, which is also incredible. Um, but yeah, Ryan, prediction time. Yes! Uh, I was waiting for that. Y- yeah, um, I'm guessing you probably have a big smile on your face at the moment because you're level one points after that weekend. What? Um, hey. 20- 21 points all, including both of us getting our wildcard predictions correct, which is quite funny because I predicted Lance Stroll to qualify last as a complete random guess. Yours is probably a little bit more expected of Vettel and P9, although it was still a wildcard prediction. That's still a big achievement. Yeah, but yours was he can finish anywhere. He finished ninth, did he not? Just dead on ninth? I need to double check that, but. He um. Wasn't it? Oh, wait. He could have finished anywhere from first. Wait, did he fall out? Oh, this is where you say. Hold on. He finished ninth. He finished yeah, ninth. You're fine. Dead on ninth. Top um, nine. Oh. Yeah. Oh, that was a close one. He, he could have finished anywhere from first to ninth. Yeah. I had to get a stroll quite dead last, yeah, but, but like anyway. <laughs> yeah. But Latifi was also racing. That is very. Who had an incredible qualifying session. The two Canadians in the other British-owned colony. Why can't I say the word? Colony, the main colony. Canada is like a subpar, but like, come on, you have a bit of UK flag in you somewhere. The Queen's on your money, man. But Latifi, tenth in qualifying, into Q three, incredible. Silverstone was absolutely buzzing for him. He's the new um, Canadian wet track master. Yeah, uh, it was it was great to see because you know there was a lot of chat that Piastri was going to take over his seat, and as much as he is proved to be not the best driver, it was nice to see for him because you're an F one, you want to to do that. Right, Ryan, prediction time. Yes. Who do you think is going to win the Austrian Grand Prix? Yes, it's going to be Verstappen. We are in Austria, the home of Red Bull. Red Bull cannot afford to let down the Austrians of the Red Bull energy drink. And it's also the Red Bull ring not to be mixed up with the Bull ring of Birmingham. Birmingham. Where are you from, mate? I'm from Birmingham. Where's that? Huh? I was actually there last week to see the Aston Martin car, which you didn't get to see in Belfast because you've seen the older generation. Yeah. Not fair. Yeah. Come on, Peroni. Uh, well, I'm going to go for Charles Leclerc to win. Okay, I think you know, Ferrari have a little bit to come back from. Uh, podium, who are you putting on alongside Verstappen? I'm going with a... Ferrari reliability. Hmm, this is where we've seen a lot of problems one time. But that was from Mercedes right enough. Keep off the curbs, Valtteri. Um... I think we're going to see a bog standard 
Leclerc and Perez. Okay, I'm going to go for Sainz and Hamilton. Oh, interesting with Hamilton. I will say Norris is my fastest lap. So uh, who's going to be your fastest lap? I'm going to say Leclerc. Why not? Okay. Uh, safety cars. Um, I'm going to go for two. Hmm. See, I was going to go for two. But then there isn't many crashes usually here. So I'm just going to go with the one. Okay. And now on to our favourite one, yes. the wildcard predictions. Number is Get ready. Get the random generator. So okay. we always go first on this one because I always like to mm -hmm. make myself very... So we click it once, click it twice, click it three times. And our number, 51. Who's closest to 51? 50, uh, 47 or 55? Schumacher or Sainz? Yeah, you can go Sainz or Schumacher. Oh, Schumacher. We'll go Schumacher because we don't usually do any of the big teams. Uh, Schumacher, points. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Is that is that fair? Given they got points last race? Yeah. I'll give it. Okay. Remember, it is a battle between me versus you and I'm giving it, so you may take it. True. True. And, uh, and go for you. Click it once. Click it twice. Click it three times. 45. That would be Lewis Hamilton at 45. But we don't do big names, even though Maybe I Schumacher as well. Thing with Hamilton, so I can either go Hamilton or I can click it once more and get seventy-seven, which is Val. Ah, oh, Valtteri Bottas. Okay, I'll take that. I'll take that. Valtteri Bottas. Now I can either say one of two things here. I can either say DNF, which is likely because at the minute it, it seems to happen quite a lot, but. I don't want to go too low. I don't want to go too high. So I'm tempted to say... My competitiveness wants me to say top five. But top six is where I'm feeling. And remember, he hasn't been doing well okay. at the minute. So his average position sitting in and around 11th now. Where it was sitting in at 7th in this first six races. It's now dropped to 11th as his average position. So top six maybe? Would that be viable? Yeah, yeah, well, we'll have to see. Um, start of a very busy few weeks for Formula 1 and a uh, busy week for ourselves as well, or busy few weeks for ourselves as, as well. Um, but yeah, Ryan, I think that's going to be all for this uh, podcast, the British Grand Prix podcast. Uh, have you got any final thoughts before we round this out? Yes, as customary now, I have decided that I have already pre-typed this on, so he already knows what I'm going to say. But it is going to be go, Joe, go. That crash will not have affected him in any way, shape, or form. He's going to come back stronger, and he is going to go like blazes. Guns a-blazing. Go, Joe, go. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully um, both him, Albon, and the other drivers will all be past fit. Um, they're all being medically clear, so hopefully they're all good to go for Austria at the weekend. But yeah, thank you all so much uh, for listening or watching wherever platform you're on and we hope you can join us in the next one for the Austrian Grand Prix. Goodbye.